Human beings are creative, intelligent, and powerful. But at the same time, we are so very limited. Physically, we can only be in one place at any given point in time. Our experience of this spectacular physical universe is limited to our five senses. There's a vast and almost infinite world of wisdom that each and every one of us has no grasp of. But imagine a life beyond the one you currently experience. One with new senses and sensations, new colors added to your field of vision, new sounds added to your range of hearing. What if you had abilities that far surpassed anything you can imagine? Think of a reality in which you had access to all wisdom and could experience and grasp it all instantaneously. The reason this is so difficult is because it is nearly impossible to imagine something that you have never experienced before. Try thinking of a color that doesn't exist. With this in mind, let's explore a fascinating topic related to this week's parsha Baloscha. The Rambam, in his commentary on the mission of Perkechelek of Sanhedrin, famously quotes 13 principles of faith, which he believes to be the absolute foundational pillars of Jewish belief. The sixth principle states that one must believe that all the words of the Nevi'im, the prophets, are true. The seventh principle states that one must believe that the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu was true and that he was greater than all other Nevi'im, both those that came before him and those that came after. The sixth principle is obviously crucial, but the seventh seems redundant. If all the Nevi'im words were true, of course Moshe's were true. Why do we need a separate principle stating that? And what does it mean that Moshe was the greatest of all prophets? In this week's Parsha, Hashem himself attests to this fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet to ever live. What was unique about Moshe's prophecy? What made it greater than other prophets? We know that Moshe was the Navi selected to receive the Torah from Hashem and bring it down to the Jewish people. However, Moshe was not arbitrarily chosen for this mission. It seems that he was uniquely suited for it. After all, the Torah itself is known as Torah's Moshe, indicating that Moshe was the sole person capable of receiving the Torah, to the extent that it is identified with him. So what was the greatness of Moshe's prophecy that gave him this uniqueness? What was so special about Moshe's nevuah that made it unequivocally different from all the other Nevi'im who came before him? In order to understand Moshe's prophecy, we must first develop an understanding of nevuah in general. We live in a world devoid of prophecy. And therefore, attempting to understand it is like trying to understand a human sense by hearing someone describe it to you. However powerfully you can describe sight, it won't mean all that much to a person who has been blind from birth. And likewise, a deaf person could read about hearing, but he has no past experience, category, or mental context in which to place it. And similarly, in a world without prophecy, it becomes very difficult to relate to the experience or understand what it was. 
However, we will still try to paint as clear of a picture as possible. Before and throughout the Middle Ages, there were various attacks against Judaism by secular and non-Jewish philosophers. And one area commonly targeted was prophecy, with the result that many Jewish philosophers clearly described their understanding of Nevuah. While there's some variance within their opinions, the basic consensus is as follows. A prophet, a Navi, must be a great tzaddik, spending his entire life building up to the stage where he was worthy of receiving prophecy. And this includes a mastery of both Torah knowledge and its observance, and a mastery over one's midos, his character traits, and his intellect. And once he achieved this exalted status, now capable of receiving prophecy, Hashem chose whether or not he would indeed receive prophecy. Now the prophetic experience itself was an otherworldly experience. Hashem opened and expanded the Navi's consciousness, allowing him to connect to a higher dimension of existence, one that lies far beyond the limitations of time and space, far beyond the capacity of the normal human mind. And in doing so, Hashem allowed the Navi to experience lofty ideas and intellectual truths, which would then get translated through the Navi's intellect down into his imaginative faculties. And in a very deep sense, it was an angelic experience of the spiritual world. And now that we have a basic picture of prophecy in general, we can now ask what made Moshe's prophecy unique? The first unique characteristic of Moshe's prophecy was his level of clarity. The Gemara in Yevamos, Daf Memtes states that while all other prophets saw through a clouded lens, Moshe saw through a clear lens. In other words, we all perceive reality through our own lens. A tremendously developed and wise person will see the world through a much more sophisticated lens than an immature child. One of them sees many layers of depth behind every aspect of reality, while the other sees nothing more than the surface. One of them looks at the Torah and sees layers of wisdom, while the other looks at the same Torah and sees meaningless scribbles. As this child matures, he has the ability to continuously expand his understanding and develop a more sophisticated approach to life. And the same is true regarding prophecy. There were many different levels as humans, our consciousness is limited in that we only see the physical, not the spiritual. And since prophecy was a window into the spiritual world, the metaphor Chazal used was an aspeclaria, loosely translated as a window, a lens, or mirror. The greater the prophet, the clearer his vision, and the more he was able to understand. The lesser the prophet, the more opaque and cloudy his vision was, and the more ambiguous his understanding was. While all other Nevi'im had some cloudiness to their vision, Moshe saw Hashem and the spiritual world with absolute clarity, or at least with as much clarity as possible for a human being. In other words, while other Nevi'im saw a reflection of the spiritual world and its truths, Moshe saw the spiritual world itself with no filters. 
as the Ramchal puts it in Derech Hashem, Moshe was looking through a glass window. And Rav Dessler beautifully explains that this is why the word Aspeklaria also means mirror. Because the prophet's experience would be a reflection of himself, as the prophecy is filtered through the prophet's own consciousness. If there's any ego or distance between the Navi and Hashem, even to the slightest degree, the prophecy would be disfigured accordingly. And this is why the Gemara states that all of the Nevi'im had their own unique style of writing. It was because the Nevu was filtered through their unique personalities and minds. The words and ideas were completely from Hashem, but they were given based on how it flowed through the Navi's personal consciousness. Moshe, however, had completely negated his ego and was a transparent reflection of Hashem. His Nevuah was 100% pure and was experienced without any translation or filtration, only as it actually was. In other words, all other Nevi'im saw an image of truth, but the words they transmitted were not actual truth itself, but only a reflection of that truth. The prophecies they transmitted were shaped by their own personalities and feelings. Moshe, however, saw the objective truth itself and was able to transmit that truth. The words he wrote were the actual truth, not a filtered down reflection. Moshe added nothing of his own. He was purely the medium and vessel through which Hashem gave the Torah. This is what Chazal mean when they see that Hashem spoke from the throat of Moshe. Moshe wasn't speaking, Hashem was. Moshe simply and purely gave over what Hashem was saying. As opposed to the other Nevi'im who received prophecy from Hashem and then expressed it in their own unique way. As a result, Chumash and the rest of Nach are on two completely different levels. Chumash is absolutely pure and reflects spiritual reality in its most potent and true form. All of spiritual truth is contained within the Torah. The rest of Nach is a manifestation of Torah on a lower form, reflecting the lower level of the Nevi'im who received it. Interestingly, there are different episodes in Nach which describe the Kisei Hakavu, the Divine Throne, and each description is different. For example, if you look at the descriptions in Yechaskel, Yeshaya, and Daniel, some descriptions are more detailed, some are longer than others, so what's going on? One way to understand this is that they all saw the same prophecy, but each of them received and transmitted it according to their own unique style and level. And this is why the Gemara often teaches the principle that no halacha can be learned out from Nach that wasn't already introduced in the Torah. Why? It's because Torah is the root and Nach is its expression. There's nothing in the expression that can't be found within the root. Just like there's nothing in a tree that can't be traced back to its original seed. The next unique characteristic of Moshe's prophecy was a very deep topic, but we can explain it as follows. His face glowed. What does that mean? It, when Moshe Rabbeinu descended from atop Har Sinai, his face was glowing. 
As physical beings, our body is opaque and doesn't reflect our spiritual souls. All we see of each other are our physical features, our physical face, no more. When I look at you, I don't see your mind, your consciousness, your thoughts. I see your physical face. But Moshe uplifted himself and his physical body to such a level of spirituality that his face and body were then able to reflect his spiritual core. The Midrash explains that Moshe attained the same level that Adam Harishon was on before he sinned. However, this was too much for Klai Yisrael to handle, and Moshe was forced to hide his face as to not overwhelm them. If you look at the Psukdom, it says Moshe had to cover his face. In Shar HaGamul of Taurus Adam, the Ramban explains that Moshe completely overcame his physical drives and became completely spiritual. So as a result, he no longer saw with physical eyes but saw with a spiritual eye. In other words, Moshe no longer saw the physical world, but saw everything as a manifestation of spirituality. His perception itself was altered. So people looked at him and saw spirituality. He looked at the world and saw spirituality. He was on a completely transcendent level. And this is connected to the well-known Meshachachma, who explains that Moshe completely overcame his free will and became a Malach living in this world. So Moshe is clearly on a much higher level than anyone else we can imagine. And the next characteristic is that Moshe was able to stay awake during prophecy. All other Nevi'im received their prophecy at night while sleeping. Moshe received his Nevi'im while still awake and standing. If another prophet received his prophecy while awake, he would immediately collapse and lose consciousness receiving the prophecy in a trance-like state. And that's why the Gemara Bracho says that a dream is a taste of prophecy. Because both occur when the mind transcends the physical limitations of the body. And both occur while you are asleep. Nivua is, in a very deep sense, a much more elevated form of dreaming. And the Ramchal talks about this in Derech Hashem at length. The reason prophecy can't occur while you're awake seems pretty logical. Nivua is such a completely spiritual experience that the physical conscious body can't contain or sustain it. The Navi therefore needs to let go of his physical senses if he wishes to experience the spiritual dimension. Moshe's body, however, was so pure and spiritual, as we just explained, that it was able to sustain a direct experience with the spiritual world. And this is how he was able to go 40 days and nights in Harsinai without eating. His physical body was able to exist in the spiritual world, almost as if he was an angel. And the Ramchal in Das Tvunos compares Moshe to Eliyahu Hanavi and Chanuch, both of whom were able to go directly to the spiritual world without dying and without leaving their physical bodies behind in this world, since their bodies themselves became so completely spiritual. And one more character trait of Moshe that was different is that he can have Nivua voluntarily. Other Nevim had to wait to be called upon by Hashem. Moshe was able to call upon Hashem and initiate his prophecy at any point in time he wanted. In this week's Parsha Baloscha, when the men complained about the carbon Pesach, and they wanted to be Zoha to bring in the carbon Pesach, and that's where we bring down the source for Pesach Sheni, Moshe simply told them to wait there while he goes to ask Hashem. And similarly, in the case of Noslavchad, he does the same. 
If at any point Moshe was unsure about a halacha, he would simply ask Hashem. And it's connected to another key characteristic of Moshe's nevuah, namely that it was constant. As a matter of fact, Moshe would receive nevuah at any point in the day, so he had to separate from his wife, Tzipporah, so that he was always tahor. And the last interesting characteristic of Moshe's nevuah was the content itself. Other Nevi'im only saw what Hashem wanted to reveal to them, but Moshe was allowed to see whatever he wanted. He was able to ask Hashem for things to see. When Moshe asked Hashem to reveal his goodness, Hashem agrees. And the Ramchal in Das Tfunos and the Rambam in his Mornavuchim explain that Moshe wished to understand the entire nature and depth of everything that exists in the created world. Remember, there's an episode in Torah where Moshe asks Hashem to reveal his face and to see his goodness. So there were limits to Moshe's nevuah, even when Hashem revealed himself, in that he couldn't see Hashem himself which the Pasuk refers to as the front of Hashem's head. Hashem says, you can't see my face. But Hashem allowed Moshe to see his full expression in this world, which the Torah refers to as the back of Hashem's head. And the Midrash says it's like the knot where the back of, so to speak, where Hashem wears tefillin. In other words, Hashem allowed Moshe to see as much as a human could possibly comprehend. All the deep spiritual truths of the world. And this sheds new light on an often misunderstood topic. Moshe served as the leader of the Jewish people, and yet he had a very ironic flaw, a speech impediment. How can the leader of a nation, a person who's called upon to represent and guide them, possibly have a speech impediment? Some, like the Rashbam, suggest that Moshe was capable of speaking just like everybody else, but had simply forgotten the Egyptian language. And the Ran famously suggests that Moshe spoke with a lisp in order to ensure that people know that Klai Yisrael accepted the Torah for its innate truth, not because Moshe swayed them with his elegant and inspiring speaking skills. The Maharal, however, suggests a much deeper explanation. He explains that Moshe's speech impediment was not a defect. Rather, it was a reflection of his perfection. As we've discussed before, speech is the concretization of the infinite into finite packages of words and sentences. Speech takes that which is beyond words, that which is infinite, and limits it to the finite, to words. Silence reflects the notion that something can't be formulated or constricted into mere words. Whenever you experience something truly deep and powerful, you most likely struggle to formulate it into concrete thoughts or words. Moshe couldn't speak because he lived in a dimension of such absolute clarity and truth. He simply could not bring such lofty and transcendent concepts and ideas down into the finite and limited dimensions of this physical world. His speech defect was actually a revelation of his perfection. And this was the paradox of the Torah. Hashem took the infinite truth of reality, something far beyond words, and somehow constricted that endless wisdom into the finite words of Torah. Words that we have written down in our own Sifrei Torah. Yet, paradoxically, 
Even though they are finite and written down, they still loyally reflect their eternal and infinite truth. And fascinatingly, once Hashem did this, Moshe received the ability to do this as well. Why? Because Moshe was the voice of Torah, the shliach of Hashem. Therefore, Sefer Devarim begins with Ele Devarim Asher Diber Moshe. Moshe now gained the ability to speak, to faithfully express the infinite within the finite, just like Hashem did when he expressed the Torah into finite words. And we can now go back and explain why the Rambam separates between the sixth and seventh Ikar of Amuna. The sixth Ikar is our belief in Nevuah itself, but Moshe's Nevuah was not only true, but of a fundamentally different category. One can easily mistake in Moshe's Nevuah as being no different from any other Navis. And as a result, if another Navi came at some later point in time and claimed to have received a new Torah, Perhaps he's right, and perhaps he, we should replace Moshe's Torah. But the Rambam is clarifying that Moshe didn't just receive prophecy, he received the highest prophecy possible. The level of prophecy that is Torah. Every other Navi who comes subsequently is on a lower level. Therefore, if a Navi contradicts Moshe's Torah, we know he's a Navi Sheker, a false prophet. And this sheds new light onto why Korach's rebellion was so severe. By challenging Moshe, he was trying to uproot the very foundation of Torah. Now, to many, Moshe may not serve as a classic role model. He wasn't great, he was perfect. He didn't accomplish a lot, he accomplished everything. And to some, this may be more overwhelming than inspiring, more daunting than encouraging. But I think that we can all connect to Moshe in a very deep way. Moshe shows us what humanity is capable of. And sometimes you need an example of human perfection before you can personalize it to your unique mission in life. And true, you can't be as great as Moshe, but that's not your job. Your job is to be the greatest version of you possible. But perhaps Moshe can inspire us to challenge ourselves a bit more, to add one more layer to our self-expectations, to question our own limits, to genuinely ask ourselves if we're giving it everything we have. Moshe was a complicated figure, when he separated from his wife, Miriam and Aaron didn't understand or even agree with it. He wasn't a man of this world, but that wasn't his role. He serves as an eternal model of transcendent perfection, a star in the night sky guiding each of us on our own unique journey through life. In moments of self-doubt, in moments of opportunity, in moments of fear, just think of Moshe and remember that in a very deep way, the sky is the limit. Or is it?